everybody. It's the Title IX Podcast and the Cycling Fanatic Podcast Network. I'm Steph Copley with Alisa Woods. Hey, girl. Hi. How are you? I'm alive. That's good. After the derecho. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that. Izquierdo y derecho. <laughs> I was like, I know that that's a Spanish word, but I can't remember what it's right. Yo tambien. I thought that was yeah. derecho. I thought that too. I thought about this on my run this morning. I don't know. Of all I things. The right is all oh, that's Jared Stansbury, by the way. Hey, Jared. I don't know. So. I think that it's like whether it's a male or a female turning right. Oh. Well, no, I don't think no. that. But I think that it, that is like the tense. Okay. I can only tell you that I know this because when I was in high school, I, I took Spanish too. Like I was not by any means fluent in Spanish. But me and my friend Alex, shout out to Alex, it's his birthday today. Happy uh, birthday, Alex. But Alex. He, he, uh, we had to be blindfolded when we learned about the directions. <laughs> and me? then you had to call out, like there was something that you had to get. And then he had to direct me through like a maze of desks. And it was a la derecha. And, uh, what kind of black magic are you guys doing in Clorinda? A la is to the left. Okay. My dad actually speaks fluent Spanish and I have no idea. That's like he I feel like of, you're not using like, your resources. I know, I know. He just went through this phase and decided to learn Spanish like 12 years ago and just ha- hung out at the Poncheros down on Welch Avenue all the time and basically like learned. Wait, the flying burrito? No, no. There's a Poncheros on or Poncheros on Welch? Okay, Jared, this was when you were like four. <laughs> there was a Poncheros on Welch Avenue many moons ago. This was before I was even in college. So this was a long time ago. But yes, he hung out there with the guys from, I think they were from Argentina, and learned Spanish. He took I want some lessons, to hang out with your dad. I feel like he's a you know what? maverick. <laughs> he listens to this, so I'm not going to say much. I thought maybe he used, uh, what was it called? Uh, oh, yeah. Muzzy? Oh no! What? Do you remember that? No. Nope. You guys don't the cartoon Muzzy? that taught you how to speak Spanish? The bit he looked like Grimace from the McDonald's commercials. Negative. No. Ghost Rider. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! I can't believe you guys don't remember that. It was like a PSA that would be on all the time. Negative. I swear this is a thing. <laughs> no. But my dad does have a lot of really cool habits. His new one is yeah, uh, bird watching. My dad does this too. Maybe they should hang out. Well, my dad found out that binoculars are expensive, so he wanted to buy some and needed something to use them for. So he decided to look at birds with them. Yep. Also bought two guitars during quarantine. Has he played them yet? Oh yeah. Just started. Love it. He's going to be an expert in five years. He is. Yeah. We need to hang out. (laughs) We do. All right, everybody, it's episode 25. Oh, yeah, we're podcasting. We are podcasting. So this is, we're a quarter of a century old now. Is that how it goes? Oh, wow. I know. We can finally rent a hotel room. Is that what it is? Do you have to be 25? And rent a car, maybe? Maybe it's a car. Yeah. I think it's both. Okay, well, happy birthday to us (laughs) and your friend Alex. (laughs) Let's give a shout out to our sponsors, the Ivy College of Business at Iowa State. And students are officially on campus getting tested for COVID, moving in. So before we know it... The Ivy College of Business is going to be a hopping place. Heck yeah. Give us your hootie hoo. Hootie hoo. <laughs> that had way more bass than it normally does. I know. I went for something new. You really did. I felt it. Okay. Felt it. This is, you know what? New school year, new me. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate that. So tonight's episode, we're going to talk about the... I'm just going to call it the WTF last 72 hours of college football. It was more than 72 hours. 
what five days oh, of college football you know what it feels it, like six it, years yes at the same time it also feels like a snap of a finger i don't know how to explain <laughs> it but we're going to talk about it we'll let jared kind of pipe in because he was um definitely more locked in than we were i think on the you know as far as sources go and then we want to spend um elisa has some some thoughts i do have some thoughts <laughs> which we'll get to in the middle and then at the end we're going to talk about bridget carlton and just her amazing self because she's had a nice couple of weeks definitely yeah yeah so um i would typically say jared what's going on cyclone fanatic but let's be real it's been a crazy three days with the college football and the crazy storm that came through and we're just happy that we have power so whatever you see on cyclone cyclone fanatic this week is what you get <laughs> just deal with it even if, i think even if i'd come up with a plan there's no uh, no it would have been long scrapped i mean there's it, it was when, chaos when i sat down on monday like okay i'm gonna put together and then a giant hurricane blew through yeah but at the same time i was like i was looking at the open document and i was like yeah i mean all this could fall apart like in five minutes well, so i have no idea no. what to do and frankly whatever you would have put down i mean you would have jinxed it anyway so i'm glad you didn't do anything i basically <laughs> would have written in the email hey guys <laughs> We're just rolling with it this week. And I feel like we've done a good job with that. Yeah. So rolling with our homies. Yeah. Rolling with the punches. Uh, before we get to it, let's give a shout out to our Cyclone Fanatic super patron, Matt Rolls. He has deep Iowa State ties. His grandpa played fullback and his grandma was on the swim team for Iowa State in the 1940s. Give it. I know. I so his entire family followed and Matt was in the marching band um, and pep band during the Pfizer Tinsley Elite Eight run in 2000. He loves the cyclone so much that he has a walking sigh tattoo and that's commitment, baby. I love baby. it. He also, uh, I didn't put this in our um, social media post today, but he won a lawnmower last year at one of the basketball games. No way. <laughs> so you Wait, should, I think I was at that basketball game. You should game. go look at the Twitter. He posted the video on Twitter. Oh it's my amazing. gosh. I at least saw the video. Yeah. Yeah. I remember it happening. That's amazing. So. Wait, is his walking side uh, like on the back of his leg? You know what? I didn't ask Because I feel like that's the best spot for it. it would, I Just mean, like the right walking side on, the, back, on yeah. the walking leg. Right yeah. on the back of your leg. Yeah, he didn't provide a photo of the, oh. the walking side. <laughs> Listen, slide into our DMs and let's know where <laughs> you're te- I mean. Or maybe not. <laughs> keep it. Keep it safe for work. But that's right. I want to walk inside tattoo just across my entire your chest. Entire chest. <laughs> just your total torso. Like Chris talks about how he wants a junkyard dog <laughs> on his, on his, he used to talk about that. He doesn't do Wait, that as much now. Wait, does Chris have any tattoos? No, no, he, no. He told me over the weekend that he's going to pay for me to go and finally get my Barry Collier tattoo though, after more than a year. <laughs> so, uh, but, but no, that, that's not what I was going to say. I, I think I remember when he did, when do. he did that because he, that year, not this past year, but the season before, I swear I had never seen someone win that competition. And then like five people won. <laughs> and, I, and I guarantee that they rigged it because no one oh. even got close again to winning this year. They changed the balls or something. Like, <laughs> it's like the MLB in home runs last and season. That, and it's, it's funny because probably like one of the best basketball players that I've ever seen actually go out there and do it. You know, Cyclone Fanatic's own Kirk Collins airballed oh, every shot that absolutely. he took. So right. like, that's where I think that they, they were like, man, we're making this too hard. They carnied it up. And then they were like, okay, we made it way too easy. easy. We're going back to what we did before. And then now they haven't, they're probably never going to give away another long well, tractor. They there. hired the intern who deflated <laughs> all of New England's. And then they're like, what? Oh, you're fired. You <laughs> deflated them too much. Oh, Matt, tell us if the balls felt deflated. <laughs> Slide into our DMs again. Were the balls harder soft? Listen. <laughs> I feel like maybe, you know what, just don't slide into our DMs. Just 
Just keep, keep it in the public realm. That's but right. The walking size all across your chest because I I want to you, see how you need his reference. is so that I can yep. get an idea okay, of what so, I want for mine. So send Jared topless pictures. Um, all else, just keep PC. Yeah. Wait, not PC. Safe, Safe for work. For work. Yeah. DMs are open. DMs. Thanks, Matt. We appreciate you. Oh man. All right. So let's just get into the WTF college football. Holy moly. And here's the funny thing about this. Okay, so we're recording Wednesday, August 12th. Elisa and I were planning on recording Monday, and Sunday we were prepping, and we were trying to decide if we should talk about the college football dominoes that were starting to fall. And we said no, because by the time we record, it'll be old news anyway, and something will have changed. Well, boy, were we right. Wowza. Wowza. So not only do things start changing really fast, we get this hurricane that blows through the state of Iowa, knocks everybody's power out, there's damage everywhere, and poor Chris and poor Brent Bloom, the two who probably nerded out about this the hardest, couldn't get any service yesterday and had no idea what was going on. And I just, I kept thinking (laughs) about them and it made my skin crawl, like thinking about how stressed they probably were. I know. Like even you, you called me at like, what was it? Like (laughs) 3.30 or 4. Like, where are you? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. We're just navigating the back roads because both 69 and 35 are closed. Can I help you? I have a problem in that I tend to worry about my people a little bit too much. <laughs> I, I did get home though and see that you had texted me at like 1.30. Yes. I just wasn't getting any texts. Okay, so this is the problem. I didn't realize that, I knew people didn't have power, but I didn't realize how devastating the cell service was, so no one was responding to me, and in my head I'm thinking everyone's dead. <laughs> They're all dead. <laughs> so when I didn't get responses back, I started to panic, but everything was okay. Except I, the Big Ten. The Big Ten is not okay. <laughs> R.I.P. Go ahead, Jared. Sorry. No, no, I was just going to say that when, when all this was happening, I didn't have any cell reception. Mm. And I was trying to call Chris, and it would just go straight to voicemail. I, like, I couldn't call anybody. Yeah. couldn't send text messages, nothing. And I was sitting there, and I was leaning up against... You're talking about on Monday. ...my couch, watching out the screen door, this just storm roll through. And in my mind, because I couldn't get on my phone, I couldn't do anything, I was just staring at the <laughs> rain. And I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to come back to. But I know that it will probably be worse than this. (laughs) (laughs) Come at me, bro. I was just like, this this is the moment when everything will have happened. And I will be sitting here with my computer was dead with nothing. As I can't even call anyone. Yeah. Like, I can't do anything. I'm going to have to, like, go to a payphone. Who knows where a payphone is? To- do we even have payphones anymore? I don't know. I just feel like it was so such, like, this poetic irony. Like, all of us are sitting here yeah. waiting, and then none of us can get right. anything. Jared, so Jared just chugged a Red Bull, <laughs> smashed it against his head, ripped his bro tank off. <laughs> Instead of hit me with it. I haven't, I've been, uh, haven't been drinking the Red Bull lately. I've had That's one, good. one Red Bull in the last two weeks. Proud of you, buddy. Yeah. Really proud What'd of you. you switch to? Uh, I just haven't been trying to limit the caffeine. Oh, good. But my, I mean, like, are you drinking water and sweating has gone down instead? exponentially. Shocker. Uh, yeah. Are you drinking? <laughs> are you drinking water? Yeah, drink water. Uh, drink. Uh, yeah, basically water and then beer. Good cucumber water. Nighttime. We can accept that. Have you tried that? Cucumber water. It's delicious. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just drop a little, infuse a it. A couple little droppies of cucumber. <laughs> a couple little slices, slices in there. It's delicious. Right. This is, it's 
I'm honestly more surprised that you would think I would even have a cucumber <laughs> to slice up and put into the... You know I have some cucumbers. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> Except for those slices. My mom gave me these cucumbers that, that Jared literally thought were watermelons. Because <laughs> they're so big. So big. Um, and if you sliced one, you wouldn't be able to fit it in your cup. It right. was so big. This, That's not going to work. It, it, they were so large that, like... Cucumber emoji needed to be the new thing. Okay. That's good to know. Which That's is a, why. <laughs> uh, obviously. Yeah. I get it. Trying to cheer him up. <laughs> all right. So speaking of cheering up, on Saturday, I Saturday is when we all thought it was going to hell in a handbasket. And did you think on Saturday, be honest, that there was any chance that this was going to happen? No. I don't think anybody did. I would have put it like at 99%. Yes. And I, I mean, I think that's what, like, the Iowa State athletics administration administration thought as well so that's and then brent and chris do their quarantine pod sunday night and poor brent just sounded deflated and when when that man has lost optimism you know we're all screwed yeah so i listened to that and when i was running on monday and i was like this is it this is the end of the world <laughs> it's all going to hell and then i don't i mean and then two hours later we get the storm and then everything changes so what do you think was the shift well, now that you've I knew everything was bad when I went to Chris's house. Well, he immediately texted me before and said, just so you know, I'm not going to wear a shirt. Um, this and is I'm on Saturday. aggressively drunk. This is Saturday. Yeah. You need to reference so you know, it. I'm not going to wear a shirt. Uh, and I was like, well, I would expect it to be no other way. Right. Jared's like, same. But I, I knew things were bad then, then. But then when I got to his house and he hands me a black and mild and we're drinking mm-hmm. Bush Lights, I was like, man, we're... Yeah. This is, this is bad. Right. Things are bad. Uh, on Monday... I really don't know. I mean, I do think that the players, what the players did, yeah. made some sort of a difference. Uh, but, I mean, I've told you this. This whole thing stinks to high heaven to me. Yeah. This is, this is one of the notes I literally have in my notes. This stinks. Stinks to high heaven. <laughs> because I agree with you. There's something fishy about all of this. The, I don't know what it is. And, you know, like, people could say, okay. The Big Ten commissioner can come out and say whatever he wants is about mental health and well-being. Perfect. Fine. Okay. Like, you're going to get some people that agree with mm-hmm. that. A lot of people that agree but with that. But when the reality is that these conferences are sitting there and they're like, we're talking to basically the same people. Like The same doctors. Bob Bowlesby said today that yes. one of the doctors they consulted is at the University of Nebraska, and they obviously haven't said not to play. That's where I sit there and I'm like, okay, well, one, that's a little weird. Two, if it's a liability issue, well, you're having... 30 to 50,000 people coming back on your campus, I would think that that's probably a bigger liability issue than what's happening with the players. Because at the end of the day, the players, like, every time they step on the field, they... But what I, where I think the liability injury. is with that is the talks about paying them, because you're having students come, but you're not exploiting them for their services. With sports, you're exploiting them for your, their services and then putting them in the risk of danger. Yeah, that's fair. But I do think, I, and this has been talked... I mean, we're raising the same points that have been talked about ad nauseum, of yep. course, but you know, those athletes then get better testing than anybody else. And especially with the Big 12, with the the cardiologists and all of the imaging that they're going to get afterwards, I thought to myself, like, man, I would love to be a Big 12 athlete at this point because yeah. the care that they're getting is, in, and rightfully so, like, it's right. well-deserved because, like what you said, you know, you're exploiting what their talents. Well, here's your benefit. Right. I just think that there's there's a lot of holes in these arguments that have not been poked effectively. Right. Yeah. And, that, and that's why it pisses me off that the only interviews Kevin Warren has done were one with the Big Ten, mm-hmm. where he got very uncomfortable because Dave Repson was pushing back at him, and I don't think he anticipated that on his own network. Yep. Right. And two with Pete Thamel, who Pete Thamel has 
Pete Thamel wasn't going to push back at anything right. because he's he's been saying the same things forever. And and that was all about – I think that that was all – the whole thing about with Nebraska, we, we can come back to that. But I think that there's just like – there's so many things that they want to say that's like, okay, well, but then you can be like, okay, but when – if we're worried about health, then, then why, why are you going to make them play two seasons in this amount of time? Right. Because clearly you're not that worried about that's it. That's bananas. That's yeah. not going to happen. And did I see, too, that they're allowing them to practice? They're allowing them to continue to practice? Yeah, and then I saw that someone said, like, well, the reason that they're letting them do that is because you're not having it spread from place to place and all this different kind of stuff. And I was like, but they're getting tested three times a week. Like, how are they? I think you would catch it, you know? Well, and, to, and I guess if the idea is... If, if the Big Ten collectively, just like the Big 12 collectively, is doing their job and testing like they should be, then you're exactly right. Then that shouldn't be a concern. And if it is, then you separate that that team or that group of people or whatever. Like, I, I agree with you. That doesn't make any sense once you stretch that argument out. I think that this was a thing. It got floated like the middle of last week. So keep in mind, everything that started to happen at the beginning of last week with, you know, Big Pac-12 United, yeah. the Big Ten United and all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden it comes out, well, Kevin Warren would prefer to play football in the spring. Okay. Well, that kind of came out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. It came like the same day that they announced their schedule. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden now they're like, well, he would prefer to play in the spring. Okay. Sure. You know, and then the Mac does what they do. They right. do. And the Mac in the, uh, in the Mountain West and what they're doing and all that stuff, like at the end of the day, like I, I know they could talk about well-being and things like that. And UConn, like what they did. Mm-hmm. Those schools lose so much money right. playing football. Right. And like and don't get me wrong, like I'm sure that they are concerned about the health of kids on some level. But I imagine too that when they look at it and they're like, We stand to lose like five million dollars playing football this year, probably not worth it. Well and and, and then you put the health combined with that, yeah. and they, there's a no win there's truly a no win situation for them. And they don't have the infrastructure right. to do what these these power five yes right and that's where i think that more of this can be attributed to the stuff about the players and speaking out than what has really been put out there previously or what or what they would ever even publicly say right which is like it's like they were willing to and i'm just speculating like keep in mind i'm just i'm throwing things out there in my mind it's like they were willing to take a short-term hit to in, in order to preserve their quote-unquote amateurism and get these kids to shut up for the long term but when like don't get me wrong the pac-12 united all that kind of stuff they had some things in there that are just 100 percent not feasible right like they're not even i don't even know that they'd be legal yeah and uh if you've got this idea that seems on some level kind of half-baked what's the worst thing that you could do for something like that give them more time and that's where I'm like, I don't, so that's where there's all these things that I don't understand about this decision. It made no sense to me. Yeah. And I, it's like, if that was what the issue was then, then I'd be like, no, nah, we're going to play. If y'all want to boycott, then boycott. Do because, it. And Chris has made this point several times. You say, no, we're going to play. You boycott. If you want to boycott, how many of them are actually going to boycott, yeah. you know? And I don't know what the right answer is. And I, I think we all agree that some of, and you're absolutely right. Some of the stuff that was in there was absolutely insane. And I was talking to Ben about this and he said, well, maybe they just kind of shot for the stars because it was kind of, you know, like when you're in a mediation, you make your super high, ridiculous demand. To me, that never is an effective strategy because it's hard to take someone seriously when they're asking for yeah. these completely unreasonable things where you come in t more towards the middle and you have just real discussions with someone that's where you make you know where you can 
pick up some ground and pick up some steam. So I don't know. I think, um, I think Chris or maybe Brent said it too, but it was just on over the weekend, it felt like there was this collusion uh, or this, I don't know, collapsing of all sorts of different things all at once. And that's what made it feel like this wasn't going to be feasible. You had the PAC 12, the players movement, you had COVID, you had all of these things happening at once. And then I guess you're to your point, I think you're right. They decided we're going to try to mitigate the risk of the players voicing their concerns, but I don't really think that's the smart thing to do. I mean, I, the thing about the players is like using a negotiating tactic. You're not in a ne- negotiation. Mm-hmm. Like you have at this point, you have no room to negotiate. Yeah. You and, know? I, and maybe that's what the PAC 12 and the big 10 did is call their bluff on it. But I don't know that that f- for their purposes, it's going to take a big monetary hit that I don't know that was worth it. Yeah. That's goofy. Right. Like to me, it's like, if that's what you're, what your goal was was to call, I, I would say to call their bluff they'd mm-hmm. be like we're gonna play mm-hmm. and you're gonna do what we're what we have right now yeah. that would be calling their bluff not being like all right season canceled and, yeah i don't know but i thought that what they did sunday night what the players did sunday night when they said i mean really all they said we want a seat at the table mm-hmm. you know because for a long time they haven't even had a voice they had no voice in any of this the coaches don't even which have when a voice you think about this. that how ridiculous is that yeah I mean, they're the ones that are, like you said, they're the ones that are putting their health at risk. Right. Yeah. And that, that was the thing to me that's like, if they were going to do anything, that's what they should have said from the beginning is like, we want to have a coalition of players that can go and be part of this. And then the people are like, well, there's the turnover in college football. Well, vote for new representatives right, every year, every just like year. a student council or student government. Yeah, your, your team captains are your representatives right. on yeah. the on the players' association. It's not rocket science, and it doesn't necessarily even have to be a quote unquote union or a government right. or however. We right. don't got to go through the labor board, right? You know, but it can just be like you've got a group of players that can go and sit at the table, and you know whether or not those people are going to listen probably depends on how good of a person they are yeah but more often than not i would think that the people who actually really care about the student athletes probably would listen you know and they might not have a vote or anything like that but they have an opportunity to voice their opinions and that's what i liked about what the big 12 mm-hmm. did and what bob bullsby said today yeah so we had two representatives from every team in these conversations or at least we had a conversation with them and i was like okay he oh, another point that he made about with the students talking was how some of the students had very 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 specific questions about specific individuals and a lot of them had more global questions and i thought that was great because those are all questions that are relevant and fair and there's i mean obviously not all of them are answerable but at least they're considering them wow breaking news college kids aren't idiots (laughs) (laughs) i feel like we got a preview of all of this with the social justice movement yes like texas especially when they when texas came when all the players kind of unified and said listen this is the way that we want to be we want it to be if you don't want it to be like that then like you can run some high school out there and play against people it's, because we're not going to play. That was almost like the the preview. Like, did you use the word preview? I don't know. Yeah, but I agree with. I mean, I agree with you. Yeah. It was like so the first act up. of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's like, I think that it, it goes to show what the tolerance level on some level of these things are. Mm-hmm. And if if we're being completely honest, like if there was two leagues that I was going to pick that weren't going to quote unquote fall in line or we're going to push back against, it was going to be those ones. Yeah, both of those two. Because those are the two that have always been going off and doing their own thing. And this is like, this goes back right. d- decades, like to the 80s and 90s and the Bowl Coalition and all those kinds of things where the Rose Bowl wanted to be their own thing. The BCS, like more or less, was created 
because at, in 1997, when Michigan had to split the national title with Nebraska, because they didn't play in the quote-unquote national, national championship game. I was reading game, about this today. They, they were like, man, we want to be a part of it. Oh, well, now we're going to start the BCS yep. and the Rose Bowl will be in it. And it's because they couldn't win the national title. Right. And that's what I'm saying. Like, they wanted to go and do their own thing. And all of a sudden, then they're like, wait, you left us out. What? Why are we being punished for being left out? Well, it's because you're doing your own thing. And not not consulting anybody else. That's yeah. what happens. You're not doing your, you're just doing whatever you want to. And this was the other thing I wanted to talk about tonight is, and I think you tweeted about it, the, the, how, I don't even know the spotlight, if we want to use that word, but that's, that suggests a positive light. And I'm not talking a positive light. These people are getting exposed at the, you know, like our collegiate leaders are getting exposed for their complete lack of planning, their complete lack of any foresight whatsoever. Some of the questions that were asked in the last five days are questions that should have been asked months ago. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they aren't, and the fact that these people are in leadership positions at universities major universities is disgusting and shocking we're lucky i feel like jamie pollard has been extremely transparent about what he's thinking and what his plans are and frankly i mean that goes that doesn't that goes back years that's not just related to this but man it's embarrassing i don't know it's scary too I mean, it's exactly that. It's this was a pre. This was previewed. Like, like Iowa's shortfalls were previewed. Yes. With the social justice movement, we found that's a great point. We found out that there was SHIT going down at Iowa. That players started to speak up about. Like we, we found out that it trickles down from the top. Like it trickles down from the way top in these areas. The presidents of these universities, the athletic directors of these universities, they are pretty much all powerful and not a lot of people have a lot of say over it. And not if, a lot of accountability. And if they're smart, then they bring in, the, a smart leader brings in people who can make them look better as opposed to trying to look better than the people that they've brought in. Right. Well, let me throw this out there, specifically with the Big Ten. When you've got like just the laundry list from child molestation to, to the gymnastics thing with Larry mm-hmm. Nasser to the whatever went on with Epstein and everything and all that goofy stuff at mm-hmm. Ohio State, that connection to whatever happened at Iowa. I mean, and what they do. The Big Ten has done nothing, nothing, nothing. Yeah. but all of a sudden, <laughs> when, administ- when an administration yeah. wants to push back at the Big Ten, people in the Big Ten, oh, Mike Wilbon, who's a trustee at Northwestern, or a Heisman Trophy winner at Michigan, and Desmond Howard, kick Nebraska out of the Big I, Ten. Right, right. And I'm sitting there, and then Ohio State says it, and nobody says anything. Right. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like... And don't, don't, this is not me just as a Nebraska person because, and I will say, I mean, I've got a, th- a link here from Pat Forty <laughs> pulled up about where Nebraska got an FU from the Big Ten and all these kinds of things. That, oh, the Big Ten will be just fine without, well, what would happen if, to the Big Ten's TV deal if Nebraska left? Right. And then all of a sudden you've got to fill that inventory for that 14th team that you don't have. Mm-hmm. And the, Notre Dame still has shown a complete aversion to joining a yes, conference. Right. And if this at this point, if they're going to join a conference, it's probably not yours. Yes, right. And, and, then, and that. now you have to revisit a TV contract in a time where you really don't want to be talking about a TV contract right now with somebody because you don't have a great product. And that's where like Adam Rittenberg, who has been a Big Ten reporter for ESPN for a very long time, he tweeted today, well, it's only one year. You're just going to lose it. Man, if you're 
if losing $120 million, 80 to $120 million, which is what Nebraska says they stand to lose from not playing football, if losing that amount of money, you're just like, man, it's only one year. I want Adam Rittenberg's salary. No joke. Because, like, that's that's such a hole that, that can't be climbed out of in right. one spring football season. Right. I agree with that. And, and that's where I'm sitting there, like, there's such a double standard here. In the Big Ten, like, it just goes to show what their priorities are. Administrations can mess up all they want. But the second that the players push back or the administration push back against what the Big Ten is doing, they're like, yeah, no, this ain't going to fly. Yeah, that's a great point. I hadn't thought about it that way either. But you're right. It's all been a preview to what's happening now. Because Everything, all of the mess ups. They're up in their ivory tower yeah. of like of the Big Ten thinking that they're hoity-toity and better yeah. than everybody else. And, uh, and, you know, quote unquote, the coastal elites. These are the coastal elites in the middle of the country. <laughs> And I was telling my dad, I was like, dude, like Creighton fits in better than with the Big Ten than what Nebraska does. And this is a whole other thing. But with Nebraska, like it's becoming glaringly clear that they made a massive mistake. And, and don't get me wrong. Ten years ago, when I was a huge Nebraska fan, it was the right thing to do from their perspective. The Big 12 looked like it was going to fall apart. If you had an opportunity to leave. Like, I can't blame anybody for doing it. But we never could have even known 10 years later that they basically would be treated like the redheaded stepchild mm-hmm. for 10 years. And then all of a sudden, like, you look at it and you're like, man, they're nothing like any of these other schools. It has, I, I have been completely fascinated by this. <sighs> the way that they've talked about leaving when it's not realistically possible right now anyway. And the way that in the teleconference today, when asked about it, Bowlesby was like, no, no one's reached out to me from Nebraska. And I only laugh at that because like you're pandering to your donors at this right. point. It's all pandering. Well, and it's it, like when he said it was a unanimous vote. Right. Like, we already know it wasn't a unanimous vote. But You're just throwing no, words out there. But I mean, I mean, the way Frost is saying, you know, we've worked at, um, searching for every avenue possible. Mm-hmm. We, really? Because if Bowlesby said you hadn't reached out to the Big 12, then are you actually, or are you just looking for your donors? I see what throw, you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Man, it's almost like you think that someone someone's in a leadership the position truth. is going to tell the truth. And don't get me wrong. He could be telling the truth. But the fact that the silence from Lincoln right now is, yeah. is deafening because they have not said anything. And the Big Ten or Ohio State came out and said the same things they said yesterday or on Monday again today. Mm-hmm, I saw that. And then two hours later, they turned around and released a statement and said, we've accepted the spring season. You have not seen that from Nebraska. And I'm saying that there's something going on behind well, the scenes. I don't know what it is. No, right. But I, from just what I can gather, they are doing something behind the scenes. And, I, and they are not going to come out and speak again until, until they're done. like, we know exactly what our options are. And we're and like they're either going to say to the Big Ten like we're going to play if you want us to come back awesome right otherwise we got this option and then and I I'm not I, you're right you. that's a great point that I think that's probably happening right now I just thought it was interesting the way that and you're right I I'm taking Bullsby at his word and maybe that's just me and my rose colored glasses because he's our Big Twelve commissioner but I just thought that was there's something so rich about that the way that you've got Nebraska out there barking and Ohio State out there barking and then Bullsby's like no no one said anything to me. <laughs> just thought it was great. Who knows? I'm not who knows? saying that I'm not saying Nebraska would come back to the Big Ten or Big Twelve, 12. because I mean, who else, who knows like what even the appetite in the mm-hmm. league would be for that? The reality is, Nebraska left this league for for dead ten years ago. Yeah, I mean, they left Iowa State specifically, basically to end up in the MAC, and they yeah. were just like, yeah, I mean, we've been in a league with you for a hundred years, but screw it, see ya. 
And I liked Deuces. how Iowa State was like, oh, you want to be in the Big 12? Here's our schedule. <laughs> like, it was really great today. Yeah. There was some really great irony yeah, today. It was. Like, get it on a poster, put it up on your wall. Here, we'll We're sign done. it for you. Yeah. But I, I have heard things behind the scenes that there are moving pieces. In, I believe in, that. In Lincoln. And that they have not given up on this yet. And, and like I said, I don't think they will come out and say anything until they fully know what all of their options are. Which is smart. And the thing about no, they have not. No, they have not reached out to us. Mm-hmm. Really easy thing to say. Think about the delicacy of this situation. Yeah. Because if he comes out and says, oh, yeah, we talked to Nebraska. <laughs> well, I don't. Oh, I mean- no. Like but what? Is. But how, okay. Let's assume that they have talked to Nebraska. Do you think? I mean, can you can you flat out lie like that? I don't want him lying like Hell that. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! <laughs> this because, is why. Because this is why I will never be lie in. like a rug. <laughs> but this is this is the same thing that happened in 2010, when the Big 12 came to an agreement. Yeah, you're and right. And then the next day, what did Missouri do? They left. You're right. And that's what I'm saying. Like, this they, is why this is why my heart is shattered in 2,000 pieces every day these days because I trust people so. Well, and, and I just and I don't even know that it's like did he did he lie? Yeah, but at the end of the day, like there's a lot at stake here. You You're know? right, and that's where I think that if, if and I I don't want Nebraska to come back because that would make my life a hell of a lot more it, difficult. I'm sure would, but it just it's one of those things where when you look at it objectively. They don't belong in that league. They belong no, in our league. You're right. But the thing is, too, the, if if they're going to come back, then someone has to come with them. And who is that? Because you're not going to get Arkansas or Missouri back from the. You're not going to get Arkansas. People throw them out there. Who was in the Southwestern Conference with Texas and all those schools yeah. in the '90s or for a long time. Missouri's not coming back. Colorado's probably not coming back. So who do you bring with? Did them? I see people talking about BYU last night, or was that just like a? Yeah, but I don't think that that would. Uh, that doesn't make. That doesn't make sense. Oh, why are you smiling like that? Well, if I remember correctly, there's some people who have pretty serious aversions. Well, I don't know. People in Texas have some pretty serious aversions to some of the belief systems that the folks at Well, BYU also, hold. I mean, and on top of that, it doesn't make a lot of logistical sense. I mean, just imagine it, if then, uh, the party animals in Ames had to go to Provo oh for gosh. a football game. <laughs> Just There'd be a whole, havoc. Lot people, whole lot of people that would, uh, would would be getting told to go somewhere where the fire burns all day. I think that's and true. All night. I think that's true. I mean, but Iowa fans, what I don't about feel it? like they're any more, I don't feel like we're any more ruckus than they are. They've never gone to BYU. Yeah. Have they? But I mean, like, depending on who goes where, I don't know. <laughs> I don't like any of this shit. You know what I'm actually thinking about? The ice cream. <laughs> Literally this whole time, I can't even hear you guys. I'm just thinking about that. I was sitting here, and I'm not... Okay, wait. For reference, there's a cold yeah. stone right outside the window, and Elisa Don't, faces you it. You always give them this, the I'm free sorry. advertising. So I'm there's sitting here, and for place. a half second, I thought I had a fudge sickle right in front of my face, but it's the mic. Like- I thought about it. I was like, oh, fudge sickle. Oh, nope. This is the mic. You guys. Oh, well, I'm glad Jared's focus. here. There's a lot happening there's right now. There's a lot now, happening. And I've just been ingesting all of it, and then it goes in my head, and, and then it just Start thinking about there. ice cream, and then I just—I mean, that's kind of true, though. That's just there's so much to take Listen, in that it's hard. Um, this is what I'm happy about: is that we're that, playing football. Is that we're playing football, and there's another team that's going to go winless this year. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay, I have a question. Who, who had Rutgers going undefeated? <laughs> uh, Wait, oh, you say it, and then right. I have a question to end this. Well, no, I, I was—I was just going to say when we're defeated. When you look at the Big Ten and you look at the makeups of these. Univ- of the universities 
Iowa fits right in. Yeah. With them. And I mean, think about what Johnson County's like. No, like, they, you're right. They, they fit right in. And Maryland, they honestly fit in pretty well. Rutgers, from a demographic standpoint, they fit in pretty well. Not, you know, competitively, right. but like they, they fit in in the sense of like what the other places that the university, the other universities, what they're like. Nebraska is the outlier. And I, and when I think of another, I try and think of a place that like isn't in that, that zone already. I mean, the schools that you could even consider is the list is so small. Right. I mean, it's Houston, which they're not going to let Houston in because of an, they don't want another Texas school. Yeah. They're it, uh, Cincinnati, maybe Wyoming. Like, I don't know. I'd, but are I'd you go to Wyoming. Are you going to sit at 11? Like, no, I ain't right. But if you add two, then I know that there's a huge clause in their television deal that would get the everybody a boatload more money. And so, like, when you think about it, just like common sense, it's like, is this the right thing to do? Yeah, I do think that it would be the right thing to do. But there's so much that goes into it that I don't, I don't know that it would ever, ever actually would happen. And if I was Jamie Pollard, and if Nebraska wanted to come back, I'd give them the middle finger. I'd be like, hell no, mm-hmm. get, get the hell out of here. Yeah, well, he has um, some personal scars too. So yeah, from he's like the only one left. From, yeah, from that I can think of. I don't know who else from the missile crisis. You yeah, mean? From, yeah, I mean. A lot of those major players are gone, are gone, mm-hmm. residents and athletic directors. We also think I have to think about past football. Like they got to be able to come here and play basketball too. I'm just trying to think right. about like, we what? don't want that. We don't want what? Freddie. We don't want that guy coming back to home. Costing him. The, on I the mean, other, on I the do. Other side. If you can't hear it, that's my heart beating. Fred, I love you. Are you, do you? Oh my gosh. I love you so much. Come just home. imagine. McDreamy. Imagine the reaction. In Hilton Coliseum, if Fred Hoiberg walked in as the head coach for the opposing team. I'd clap close for your, him, Close Damon. your eyes and picture who would be clapping, Steph and the the older generation. No, Wait, Steph, why am I it would be, be Steph, I'm, and then there'd be 14,333 people that are booing. <laughs> no, there would be the, the Richies in the front. The money bags in the front that are money bags. <laughs> um, for quick friend, I'm bleeding somewhere. I don't know where it's coming from. Is it from your nose? <laughs> I don't think so. Well, well, you're Jared Stansberry. I, saying, yeah. I, I know that can happen now. So, um, so at one of the Cyclone Fanatic parties years ago, I had on the Ray, Ray Gun shirt that said, "Our coach is better looking than your coach." And he walked past me and he looked at me and he tapped me. He's like, "Nice shirt." No. I swear to God, I have witnesses, and I, I, my whole body just melted into a puddle. Oh. <laughs> I love that man. Love it. All right, here's my. Oh, sorry, that was That's really a good loud. story. It is a good story. Um, here's my question to end this. What do you think the actual? What is your opinion of the probability that we first complete a full season as it's scheduled now, complete a partial season that includes conference play, or not even get to conference play? I'll let, I'll let Elisa go. I first. think we get four or five games in. And it starts to get pushed back, starts to get pushed back. I think we get four or five games in. Okay, so not a full season. No, I think that I think we get to a place where teams are out and have to be out for two weeks, and we can't get the rest of it scheduled. And the I don't I don't think the schedule plays the way that it is now. I don't think there's there's any not a lot of room for no. right. I don't think there's any chance that it gets played the way it is. I think we get four or five games in, and then we call it. Well, let me think here. Let me have four or five games. It'd be to put the. 
I will say Bullsby's answer about what would um, lead to a rescheduling or cancellation was not super clear, but that's not a criticism because there it's a constantly evolving, constantly changing situation. And I think I actually believe that the way Governor Reynolds laid out the um, requirements for when children in schools um, need to be home and quarantined and the contract contact tracing that will be done, if they implement something like that where it's not like what we did with softball and baseball where the entire team sits out for two weeks, I think it could be okay. Because at that point, it's limited to individuals and I, I now, granted, football is tricky because you're in the vicinity of these people for, you know, minutes at a time. You're right in their face. And so more and more people are going to be out if we do that kind of contact tracing. But if we're not making entire teams or entire lines sit out for 14 days, I think there's a chance. Yeah. But I agree with you. I don't I hope that there's a full conference season. I think they're committed to it. And I think they're going to give it their best freaking try in the entire world because they they're going to spend a lot of money on these medical protocols. Yeah. But I don't know. Well, I'd say if we get through six games, we'll play it all because seventh game's on November 7th, so, you know. Excuse me, what? Seven. Then, what? then, then the virus will be gone, according to some people. So <laughs> I get it now. I get it. That's, the, that's election day. Uh, well, I mean, oh. November 3rd is election right, day. Right, right. I was just kidding. I mean, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Yeah. But, uh, I would say that after listening to Bob Bullspeed, I actually feel pretty good. I feel better. I feel way better after listening to him too. It I was not prepared to talk about this. So I honestly <laughs> No, your your answer is fair. Like your answer is a good yeah. answer. I If we didn't play at all, would it shock me? No. But at the same time, it and I think if they don't, it will be because more of before because of pressure to not than it will be because they like don't think they can do it. Yeah. Uh if they did play the whole thing, I actually now think that maybe it could be possible. I think it's more likely that we play than not play at this point. Yeah. Whether it's a full season or a partial season or whatever, I just think it's it's more likely we'll get a game or two in. Hey, if we get one, it means we tried harder than the Big Ten. Hey, that's a great spot to end that. <laughs> Everybody take a drink. <laughs> All right. So let's you uh, let's transition to your thoughts. Okay, there isn't a good transition to this. No, there's but not. No. So um, I was thinking today, and now I'm going to – lose my train of thought about why exactly I was thinking about this because of ice cream no no (laughs) okay so I um so I went to buy pull-ups for my daughter yep today tried to order them on target um she's almost four next month she'll be four still overnight on the pull-ups we we tried to go without we can't um she after we had our son she regressed a little bit um, with the potty training with the potty training yeah and so we're 45t pull-ups so tried to order them online at target couldn't get them at target so went into the hy-vee um i was in ames today so i went into the hy-vee there they had one package of 18 left a lot of the other sizes left, but one package of 18 of the 4T, 5T. And I was kind of like eh, annoyed about it. And then I was driving home and I was just started to think like, I wonder if there's a lot of other kids regressing. Yes. After all of this. I wonder if a lot of those three-year-old, four-year-old 
maybe five-year-old kids are starting to feel the mental stress of this. And I heard a lot at the beginning of the quarantine at the beginning of the podcast, like, or podcast, the beginning of the pandemic, you know, kids are, are resilient, yeah. but how resilient are they? And how long do we go before we really start to take the mental health of our children seriously? Like the mental health of our children seriously. And I just got to thinking like, is the reason that these pull-ups are out of stock is because there's a run on these, on these pull-ups because these kids are, are wetting the bed. Like that's messed up it is messed and up. our kids deserve better than that. And so I just wanted to like, I texted you after that. Cause I just wanted to like talk through some of this mental health thing. A lot of people that I've talked to have just said like, you know, I've had down days, I've had down days, you know? Um, and it's just, it's something that I think that we need to talk about. And like, what do we do? We're both moms. Like, what mm-hmm. do we do with our kids that are having nightmares, that are regressing? Like, it's so hard. So I don't know if you heard Chris talk about Cami. So uh, they haven't had daycare. I mean, they finally just got daycare, but they haven't had it since March. Yeah. And th- he talked about it, how when they went down to the Ozarks with his family, it was like the first time she was out in public and how she, it was almost like, too stimulating for her and mm-hmm. she com- acted out completely so and she's she's five like Corey. yeah so that kind of fits into that same age group that you're talking about I have a friend um, one of my law my best law school friends whose daughter he has two daughters they're a little older they're still you know like school age kids who are starting to act out as well and I know it's all just stories at this point from friends and and colleagues whatever but they're I mean, at some point, it's not just stories right. from friends and colleagues anymore. And at some point, there is something to this. And I don't know what the answer is, but it's terrifying to me. Yeah. And, and I, I think that we, like, the, the thing I always say is, like, don't be afraid to talk to somebody mm-hmm. about it. You know, don't be afraid to have your kids talk to somebody. Do a telehealth. Like, the problem is it's hard to know when your kid needs to talk to someone because they're not equipped to talk about their emotions. They're five and four and they don't know. Right. And what's the difference between a kid just being naughty and which all kids are naughty and the best kids are naughty. Right. And something that becomes a pattern. And I I don't know the answer to it. Yeah. I think like for us, one thing that I've tried to do is, I mean, I know we're all at the end of our patience, absolutely <laughs> mm-hmm. at the end of our patience, but just like checking myself, yeah, checking myself when my reaction is to scream, right? you know, walking away from the situation. Rose and I tonight, she, so when she gets mad, she like bites things or throws things. She threw a, a drumstick at our TV. <laughs> like the, an ice cream one? No. Like, oh. oh, like a the drums. drums. Yeah. Look how I went to ice cream. (laughs) Yeah. This is why we're friends. (laughs) No. And she, she throws things Mm -hmm. and you know, she gets so mad. And so I sit her down tonight and I just said, you know, what do you think that you can do? Like, don't do this when I said, don't do this when you're mad. Don't do this when you're mad. Don't do this when you're mad. And she goes, well, what can I do when I'm mad? And I was like, that's a good question. So we talked about it. We said, you know, when you're mad, you can tell us this, this thing that you're doing is making me mad. The fact you saying that, no, I can't go outside while you're grilling makes me mad. 
okay let's talk about why Why? does that make you mad because you feel like you didn't get enough time outside today you really want to be outside you want to be with us you miss us you know you were at daycare all day and you want to see like let's talk about it i said where can you remove yourself from the situation i said that means removing yourself from the situation means going somewhere where what you're mad at isn't go into if somebody's making you mad in your bedroom go out into the hallway Mm mm-hmm and remove yourself from the situation and see if you still feel mad. Uh, I said, you can talk to God. Tell him that you're mad. Yep. Be careful with that one <laughs> because then that became... You, well, did you open a can of worms? Oh, I, I opened the, you know, God creates this, God creates that, God created you, God put you in my belly. Like, how you are what? babies made? Yeah, like, well, blah, that's what happens. Yep. yep, just went straight there. Like... <laughs> How did God put you, you know Mm. what, Rosa? Let's talk about something else tonight. (laughs) So, um, but I don't know. We just have to be having conversations as opposed to the, yeah, I saw somebody post something today that said like, we can't be yelling at our babies and showed a, like a picture of a one-year-old. And I was like, who's yelling at their one-year-old? Yeah. The one-year-old can't even talk back yet. No. Yeah. No. Save it till they're two and they're being naughty. We are not yelling at (laughs) infants. Right. Like, no. It is interesting, though, because there is an actual struggle between, and especially with this return to learn discussion, mental health is not something that you take lightly. Right. And it's equally, and sometimes I think more important, the physical safety and physical health. So it's this impossible equation of how do we balance these kids' physical safety and physical health against the mental health of getting them in the classroom and socializing. My sister sent me a picture today of where she teaches um, what the cafeteria situation is gonna look like. It's literally desks six feet apart. And that's how they're going to eat. And it, for some reason, made me want to throw up because Mm -hmm. it looks like a prison. You know, it it looks very sterile and cold. And I just got really sad thinking, and I appreciate why they're doing it. I know why they're doing it. It's because that's how how they've been medically advised. But yeah like think about a lunchroom you're supposed to sit with your friends yeah and this this that's another thing that i've seen like i know we all have our frustrations with um politics Mm -hmm. and with the the plan to return to school and all that kind of stuff but i can't help but wonder is that stuff that we need to be talking to our children about is that stuff that we need to add to their stress that well, my mom doesn't want this and that going on. Yeah. There's a choice and there has to be a choice. And once you make that choice, you kind of got to commit, you got to commit to it. It's like, don't talk bad about your husband to your friends, you know, cause like eventually your and, friends are going to start to think bad about your and husband. And this is what I've told. I mean, I don't, I just tonight I was talking to my mom on the phone about it and I walked out of the room and she says, everything okay. And I said, yeah, I just don't want to talk about it in front of Corey. Like yeah. I don't want to, yep. for that same reason, because I just, what is, has been decided has been decided. So that's what we roll with. And we're going to try to prepare her mentally for whatever that looks like. So I don't know. Yeah, definitely. I just think it's a conversation mm-hmm. and I wanted to open it up, open it up to our listeners to like, just be mindful of the mental health the mental toll that is taking on not only you but like your kids your young kids like we're seeing the effects of it i think yeah that we're seeing the effects of it on our children and so i mean things like take a little getaway you know like check yourself how many times you're saying no to your kids mm-hmm. you or know? raising your voice yeah. or yeah yeah i mean there's things like rosa wants to blow bubbles no well why because i'm sitting there on my phone <laughs> i know, you know we all I do mean? it it's right like yeah okay, yep. yeah let's go blow bubbles yep. so 
I'm glad you said that. That's my two cents. Okay. All right. We'll uh, take a break and talk about Bridget. Yeah. Okay. We'll be right back. So our friend of the pod, friend of your pod, I should say. She's friend of our pod. <laughs> Bridget Carlton had her first WNBA start last week, and man, she made the most of it. She did. I'm sure, unless you were living, you know, in an anti-social media world that you saw, it. she had 25 points on 11 of 16 shooting, seven rebounds, three assists, and a win against the Liberty. And according to the Lynx, she's one of three players in WNBA history with the stat, that stat line in their first start. So she killed it. She did. And same thing, you've all, I'm sure you've read it and heard it. She didn't know she was starting until about 30 minutes before and I just think that's wild can you imagine I know <laughs> their center got uh injured in warm-ups and so coach said you know what Bridget you're in and the rest is history so she talked to you why don't you reference your, your yeah. pod with Jamie so um my I started this podcast with Jamie that we talked about last week too but um it's just all about how pro sports are handling the pandemic how they're handling bubbles or not being in the bubble um how they're handling moving forward with the virus still going on so we reached out to Bridget and Jamie um, has a connection with her she's a good friend of their family and so um, we actually got to talk to her um, on was it oh the gosh. next day no it was the same I think it was Thursday last Thursday, Thursday yeah okay. so we um, talked to her we did half of the interview um, came at the end of the podcast that I think aired on Friday last week uh, the pro sports going viral podcast so we talked to her about being in the bubble what it's like um, kind of what was it like playing in the bubble what's the food like all that mm -hmm. kind of jazz. I, that, that question made me laugh because it was the first thing I thought about I'm so glad you yeah. asked her and she actually brought up something that I hadn't I didn't hear anybody else say that they like have the option to make their own mm -hmm. food which I was like that's I thought good. It was cool too yeah I would totally take that option yep. so um that was really cool to talk to her and then she agreed to kind of do a second interview um and we're gonna air that after this yeah podcast. so since Wednesday she's um she's had a decent stat line she didn't get the start uh in their following game on friday but she had seven points and then on sunday she was on espn at two o'clock so my girls got to watch her she had 15 points on 5-8 shooting um four rebounds three steals she had a nice game um, she also had a reverse layup under the hoop against Candace Parker. No big deal. Yeah. <laughs> it was so awesome. <laughs> I saw you tweet about that. I was like, It was yes. awesome. And it was cool. My girls were interested and they actually sat and wanted to watch it. I didn't force them or anything. Yeah. You know, I just said, Bridget used to play for the Cyclones and that's all it took. Nice. And the two-year-old, I texted you this, kept yelling, I want Bridget. I want Bridget. <laughs> I it was so it. awesome. So, um, and then I saw last night, Tuesday night, she played 16 minutes, no points, but that's going to happen. Yeah. Yes. And they play again tomorrow night, Thursday night at eight o'clock on ESPN. So if you're interested, check her out. Yeah. And she just said in the interview, like she, she started to get into kind of in a rhythm. Yes. So like, some confidence. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely like a rhythm shooter. Once she got a couple to go, mm -hmm. that's they, all it took. Yeah. And they, they just kept feeding her, which yep. is awesome. And I will say, I just think she, there's something about her that I just see her and it makes me smile. I don't know if it's because she's always smiling or she just has this like very appropriate look about her I just think she is I don't know there's just something about her that I really really like and Jamie confirmed that she's one of the nicest people ever so yeah. I'm just really excited to cheer for her and yeah. I hope it keeps rolling for her yeah definitely me too and I told her that we would have her back on when they win the championship so yeah that's perfect 
so now she really is a friend of the pod. <laughs> and I just want her to, after this, go on to play in the Olympics for Canada yep. next year so we can continue using the Yes We Canada meme from Toy Story 4 because it's so good. I love Duke it. Kaboom! Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right, do you want to play the interview? Yeah. Okay, let's play it. All right. Hey, everybody. We are back with a amazing interview um, with the one and only best Iowa State women's basketball player in the WNBA ever, we figured out. Bridget Carlton, former Cyclone, currently playing in the bubble uh, for the Minnesota Lynx. How's it going? Hi, good to be here. What an introduction. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I got hyped up. So everybody, I'm just going to be transparent. We did one interview for the Pro Sports Going Viral that you can catch. Um, I think it probably went up on Friday of last week. And now we're doing a second interview in the future. This is probably Tuesday when you're listening to it. So I got hyped up. We asked her a ton of questions about the bubble, and then we determined she was the best ever Cyclone women's basketball player in the WNBA. Sounds good to me. Pretty exciting. <laughs> so ISU fans were on Twitter last night, because tonight's, today's Thursday, last night, Wednesday. Um, they were on Twitter showing you love. You're the pride of Iowa State. How does it feel to have the support of Cyclone Nation behind you? It's awesome. Um, I love getting, you know, tweets from Cyclones, Cyclone fans to this day, um, sliding into my DMs, commenting on my pictures. I love it. Um, they're really invested in women's basketball. And I think like, that's why I love going to Iowa State and being a part of Hilton and all that. Uh, but yeah, it's super fun. That's amazing. So the other day, Andre Iguodala tweeted at Ariel Powers, but he didn't say her name in the tweet. And that really became a thing. She said, like, you know, put a little respect on my name here. Like, call me out by name. And then I saw that Naz Long shouted you out by name on Twitter. What does that mean to you to have your recognition, like your name put out there? Yeah, I think, I mean, what Andre said, I don't think there was any harm or bad blood. Right. Either. Um, it was good that he was supporting the game, our game. Obviously, you know, it would have been nice if he put her name in there. But, um, yeah, it's nice to have, you know, Naz. George has reached out to me, Matt Thomas. They've all, like, been super supportive and um, just excited to see what I'm doing. And we follow each other's careers. Um, but, yeah, it's good to have that, you know, relationship with them um, just to see our success. So cool. So you had 25.7 rebounds and three assists last night. What made last night such a breakout night for you? That's a great question. If I had the answer, I would uh, tell you. Um, no, I think I just, I got some good looks early. Um, obviously it was my first start in the WNBA. So there was a little bit of nerves, but um, my coaches, teammates, they've instilled confidence in me. And so I was ready to go once I got out there, um, got some good looks early um, felt good. Um, so I was just taking advantage of any opportunity I got. Yeah, I definitely think they'll be feeding you the ball from now on. <laughs> Did you hear from any of your other ISU teammates last night after the game? Yeah, I had like 30 texts from Adriana Camber. <laughs> um, oh my Mayor, gosh. Mayor called me, uh, Maddie Wise, Kristen Scott, they all messaged me. Yeah, they're following along and it's really awesome to connect with them. That's really cool. So what is it like being out there in the bubble, um, playing for the WNBA? Is this something that you just have always wanted to do? Um, I mean, I not in the bubble, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hopefully the bubble doesn't have to happen again. Um, <laughs> chances. But um, honestly, playing in the WNBA was never like a goal of mine. 
Um, you know, playing in the Olympics for Team Canada was always my number one goal growing up, um, playing basketball. Um, I didn't think WNBA was going to be a real goal or realistic achievement for me until like my junior, senior year of university um, at Iowa State. And then I was like, okay, I can really do this. Let's, you know, put this on my radar. Let's see if this is something I can do. Um, but now I'm kind of just taking it day by day, enjoying it, learning a lot. Um, and now it's definitely like a goal of mine to continue. That's amazing. So you talked about the Team Canada and the, the Olympics, obviously postponed until next year. How, how did you go about getting on the team? What, what had you been talking to, you know, coaches and, and people ahead of time? What, what did that process look like? Yeah, Canada basketball does a really good job of like kind of taking in the young ones um, and bringing them up to training camp and kind of grow, letting them grow throughout the program from like a very young age. So, you know, I played um, on the U16 team when I was 16 and then I've kind of been with the national program ever since with age group stuff, development stuff, and now finally the senior team. Um, so it's been like kind of my whole career um, leading up to being on the senior team and hopefully going to the Olympics um, next year. Uh, so yeah, I think they just saw me at a tournament. I think I was playing with Team Ontario and then they invited me to a training camp it was the very first, you know, Team Canada experience. That's cool. Okay, you said on the interview that we aired last week that you guys have been doing Zoom calls and stuff like that. Like what are your Zoom calls like? Do you guys just catch up or are you really talking business? Yeah, I think at this point we're pretty much just catching up um just cuz there's really we don't know what's going on really yeah. um scheduling wise and anything like that and um, all of us are playing all over the world um, during the fall and winter months. So um, just being able to connect, see each other's faces, just talk about life, talk about our goals. I think that's like the main purpose of it all. Are there other Team Canada members, um, players in the WNBA right now? Yes, there's four of us. One of them's on my team, which is nice. Oh, amazing. What's her name? Name's Kayla Alexander. All right, Kayla, we will look you up. We will follow you now. You're a, you're a cyclone now. Sorry, yeah. Kayla. Like you're in you're in the team now. <laughs> All right. So the last kind of question that I wanted to talk to you about was sparked. Um, Jamie uh, just told me that you had posted about Brianna Taylor, and so I just wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about that if you wanted to. There's been so much discussion between the NBA, the WNBA, just making sure your guys' voices are heard outside of sports. So really, to wrap up the interview, uh, could you just kind of talk about um, your thoughts, what you, what the links as a as a group want to kind of want to um amplify yeah i think um as our our entire league um one of our main goals this season one of the reasons we were so determined to have a season to figure out a way to get a season um, accomplished was because we wanted to be able to fight for justice be able to bring awareness for you know all the issues going on in the world today um i think you know as a as a league we've chosen to um we're kind of like partnering with a foundation called Say Her Name. Um, it's a campaign that just brings awareness to black women and girls who've been uh, victimized by police brutality and um, just providing uh, support to their families. Um, so throughout the whole season, we're um, raising awareness for different, sharing different stories. So um, the first week it was Brianna Taylor and we're gonna have her name on the back of our jerseys, which was in that post that I posted on yeah. Instagram and Facebook um, throughout the whole season. Um, this this the past week we're, we've talked about Sandra Bland and what happened in her story. Mm -hmm. um, but I think we're just it's a really big movement. I think 
the WNBA has always been like a leader in um, pushing for change, trying to stand out, um, you know, make the world a better place essentially and being the front runners of that. So it's really cool to be a part of. It's empowering. Like it's so motivating um, to be surrounded by women who are so passionate and um, just want to, you know, want more for the world and for the next generation. Um, so that's kind of what the league and what this season's all about. Um, it's bigger than basketball. Basketball is definitely not the priority right now. It's about bringing awareness, con um, continuing the conversation, um, and trying to like make a difference um, in the world. That's amazing. And we talked about this on our podcast uh, like maybe a month ago, but the WNBA hasn't always had that opportunity. Um, when the women in the WNBA started talking up, that started speaking up, kind of the, the ownership um, and the commissioner were like, you know, no, this we're not going to do this. You know, these are your stipulations. And the, the women fought back and said, no, this is, you know, our league. This is what we're going to talk about. And it's really cool to see you being a part of that and just see – I mean, this is the opportunity. This is the year for it that your guys' voices are, are definitely being heard. So we appreciate you and we think everything that you're doing is awesome. Sure. Thanks so much. And I think it's so unique, especially in this season where we're all 144 players are in the same city. So our voices are just amplified that much more um, compared to a normal season. So we're definitely trying to take advantage of that. That's awesome. Well, I said it before and I'll say it again. We're going to talk to you again after you after you guys win the championship. I'm I'm calling it right now and if you do, I'm going to say it's because you are on the podcast. I like it. I'm done. <laughs> awesome. Well, um thanks again so much for being on. Um we'll we'll all be following you on Twitter, following you on social media and um checking out the next game. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Um, we'll catch you again on another Title IX podcast.